You're listening to DraftKings Network. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. Well, I'm just sick of these woke fucking leprechauns infiltrating their way into my hockey. Whatever happened to just enjoying the game, now everywhere they're indoctrinating my children. I had to. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And I, I think we should just be honored that she's with us. This woman has proven herself to be the star we always knew she was. Took over the all-star weekend festivities, people. If there was a real MVP, it is this person who brought the exact right kind of energy that the all-star game needs according to the hockey reddit channel and they're rarely nice people (laughs) the queen sarah sivian sarah how are you allison i had the best time last week but now i have something of the fort lauderdale flu so if i'm not bringing the energy that i was last week please don't blame me people but i am happy to be back with you lovely ladies amazing amazing and then we have the well, we you know we have to bring we have to make a segment for the Shana time meter. What were we calling it before? The spin a wheel of the timer. <laughs> yeah, why am I late today? Why are you Costco late? bouncer? <laughs> but we love Shana because, as we told you, if you listened to one of our many appearances on the Levitard show, uh, Shana took a well-deserved break, as she deserves, because she's back at it cranking out the content because this woman knows the game of hockey in all of its flavors because it is played by more than just men above 18 in the NHL. Uh, she is our rock. Shayna, say hi. Hi. Good job. Shayna, your hair looks, this might be my favorite of all of your hair looks. Thank I love you. the gradient. I finished. Oh my God. Okay. So you like it too now? I like it. Right after we got off the podcast last time, I put color in it because I think I just bleached it. So now I'm like, this is it. It's been like washed once or twice. I'm good with it. Amazing. All right, kids. Uh, We've got a lot to get back to. We hope that you took in our all-star kind of wrap-up show. We're going to talk a little bit more about all of that in a bit and some of our favorite moments and, of course, the stuff we didn't like because you know we have opinions. But let's begin with Sarah's very favorite segment. Sarah. In honor of the leprechauns on the island, Bit-O News. Well, what a perfect setup, Sarah, because on the island, there is a new player who actually just scored his first goal with his new team, the Islanders, on Tuesday night, and that is Bo Horvat. Everyone was watching to see what would happen, who would win the Bo Horvat sweepstakes. And at first, we saw that it was going to be the Islanders for at least this year, completing a trade with Vancouver for their former captain um, for Beauvillier Ratu and a conditional first. And then right after the all wait after the All-Star game, right? Time is a flat circle. Uh, the Islanders did announce that they signed him for too much term and too much money, eight years times 8.5 for an extension. 
Shayna, this is a team that you've had your eye on for a long, long time. Talk about the trade now and long term. Well, the trade did fuck with me because I had just finished writing something about the Islanders and I literally had to delete the entire section and redo it. Um, but the thing with this, like the Islanders needed to do something and they needed to do something sooner than later because they don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs and they need to do something to like fuel themselves further into the race because they have more games played than a lot of the teams around them that are close in, uh, in the standings and they have a lot of problems and a lot of it has to do with their goal scoring. But I don't understand why every player that they've been linked to, basically, except for Johnny Gaudreau, which it turned out they didn't even offer him anything. It was just, like, rumored. Every single other player that they've been, like, linked to has been a center. When they have so much money in center depth between Barzell, Nelson, Pajot, and Sezikis. So that's interesting that you're going to spend all this money to bring in a center, Forcing one of your centers to, like, the price of acquisition for a center is more than a winger generally. The price of a contract is more for a center than a winger. You signed your players to be centers, and now someone's shifting to wing and it's Barzell, and it's like, that is first-line center money he's making. So that is, like, one issue. Um, but look, they need, they need to do something. I know everyone wants to look at it and be like, let's talk shit about the future for the Islanders, but the future for the Islanders was already fucked, and this doesn't change that. It just furthers the situation, and that's not Lou Lamorello's problem. His problem is right now. So... They brought someone in who I think is going to help the team right now, but the trade at the time, you're like, that is a lot for someone without the commitment. And now with the contract, like it's going to look bad down the line, but all of their contracts are, and that's what they're betting on. So if that's what they want to do, like go balls to the walls with that by all means. But yeah, it's, it's too much money. It's too much term. Absolutely. For a player who is having a career year. Sure. But you still need another top six winger. Good luck finding one with zero assets left. Well, Bo Horvat certainly had his fans, uh, his new fans, thrilled when he scored that goal uh, on Tuesday. Um, the entire arena was screaming his name, and everyone was just so, so excited. I don't know that they still make the playoffs, though. Sarah, was that a flash in the pan? It was the first time the Islanders have scored more than two goals in nine games. Um, is this the fix? Are they going to make the playoffs, or what are your thoughts on the Horvat trade? Bo is actually having... I mean, a career clutch season where I think it's more than a flash in the pan. And I think all of Shayna's points were great, obviously, but at the same time, they prevented Horvat from going somewhere else in the division, which is just as powerful as them getting him for themselves. You know what I mean? So I feel like this was a really good, as we are not looking into the future, we're looking at right now and they feel like they can make the playoffs and go on a run, which I also agree that they can if they are at their best. And they have Sorokin, who, like, of course, it, it's good to bet on him now, especially when you look at the future and it was already kind of fucked. So it's like you might as well lean into it. I like they did that, and I feel like it's a trend of instead of waiting until the very last second, now teams are jumping on earlier and GMs have to not operate under the assumption that things are going to happen at the deadline anymore, especially with the cap. And you're seeing that with initially people thought Patrick Kane's decision was going to come down to the wire. And then his agent told Pierre Lebrun that it's going to be, they're going to give teams notice at least 10 days before the deadline. So things are changing a little bit and I'm here for it. So, Sarah, you're giving them points not only for the move, but also for the elite cock block to the rest of their yeah. divisional yeah. opponents. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like that spin on it a lot. I kind of yeah. wonder if we see more of that now, like, especially with, like, Timo Meyer, Like, everyone has to react accordingly. And I like the, I like the point, too, about it being spaced out, right? Like, they could have waited. They, they need to actually get into the playoffs. Like, if you wait till March, which would be, like, 
a Lamorello thing to do, like, wait till the last second and then probably not doing anything. Like, they're like, no, no. I just, my only issue this year is, like, you look at it and Wallstrom's out potentially for the rest of the year. And it's like, you really, like, I, I, if I were them, I probably would have stepped back, traded a couple pieces and been like, now we're going to go balls to the ball next year. But they're saying fucking starting it now. So, like, we'll see how it works out. But I, I like the cock block to the rest, like... Imagine if, if another, if the Penguins got him, like, how do you react to that? Right, right, right. Well, and I do believe uh, that Kevin Kurz reported last night that Wallstrom was still on crutches, was seen at the area. I did not see him. I was there. Um, but apparently uh, he is not necessarily close. All right. So rapid fire, just yes or no. As of right now, no further moves. Sarah, do the Islanders make the playoffs? No. <laughs> Shayna? <laughs> I like that you <laughs> signaled with your hand before you. <laughs> I, I clicked on mute and then I pulled my hand back. And my hands are like resting on my desk. It's very weird sitting at a desk and not bouncing on a laundry bin. I still don't know what to do with my hands and like how to sit. She's moving up in the world. I really am. She's a real Is the echo any better today, by the way? It's a little better. It's a little I better. I piled in yarn behind me. I'm Good making job. curtains this week. I have fabric coming, but Good job. I have yarn now to absorb sound. Good job. We're proud of you. And a throw blanket. I brought in an extra today. We appreciate your dedication. (laughs) All right. Well, in other news, um, in a trend that we have been talking about on this show, that the Sabres are leading the charge in, which is locking up your young talent early. Uh, The Sabres agreed to a seven-year contract with Dylan Cousins. Seven years, $7.1 million. Uh, This gives them a nice little bit of strength down the middle for the conceivable future with this window that they seem to be building towards. Shayna, what did you make of this move? I love it. I love the trend. For them, It's the tr- there's two trends. There's the trend of signing players before the contract actually expires, and it's signing players like sooner than later. I love these big contracts after entry-level deals. Yes, it's a risk because they only have so many games played, but like I think this year you look at Cousins play and you see him at 5-on-5 five five, like really playing well, like... At first, it's like, well, he's good in transition. Does he turn it into anything? And now he's building on that. And, like, he's the driver of that line, not Quinn and Paterka. He doesn't play with the top guns except for on the power play. So I would be, like, super encouraged by it. I did think he was going to make a little less just so there's a little more space between Tajay's contract and Cousins. I thought there'd be a little more of a gap between your one-two center. But, like, it's it's not bad at all. It's less than what... Ottawa's paying first, that's on Norris, and they did the same thing with the early contracts, and it's less even if you looked like New Jersey with Hughes and Heashier, so I think that's a good thing for them, too. You have two top-line centers under, I think it's seven, they're both under 7-2. It feels like that's their cap for forwards, except for Skinner, who was signed by a different GM. Sarah, are we pro-team Sabre with this move? Yeah, think about where the league's cap could be in a few years. I think that's great to have your centers at those prices, and I think they have potential. Now go get a goalie with all the money you're saving. Shout out to uh, Sam Ventura there in the front office, who's always changing the way that people are thinking about the game. So good on Buffalo. Um, In terms of other things happening with players, there was a move that wasn't just specific to one player, but actually to all players. Uh, We knew that the Players Association was going to pick their new leader. Uh, It seemed like news, I don't know when stuff actually started, but news started to get out around the All-Star Weekend, and now it has been announced as official uh, that the new head of the NHLPA is going to be Maddie Walsh, Former. Oh, sorry. It's Marty Walsh. I said it in a Boston accent. Oh, my God. Matty Walsh. See? <laughs> that sounds I, like Listen, Maddie. I don't even know. Edit this, Jeremy. 
No. (laughs) Okay, fine. We'll keep it. Here's why this is funny, people. It's funny because this all just started. And now, former former Secretary of Labor, who everyone's like, oh, well, that's kind of a cool angle. angle. It's going to be an outsider. It's going to be someone who maybe isn't just a hockey man. Um, And everyone's kind of high on this move. But then people started to say, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And now, much like my assumption of how to say his first name, maybe it happened too fast. Um, Even before the vote was cut. See how I did that? That was, do you see that? (laughs) No one, no one appreciates me. I appreciate you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm nodding. People can't hear the nodding. Okay, I'm sorry. Just kidding. Um, But I loved it. Amazing. Thank you. Good job. I'm going to unmute myself every time you make a joke, and I'm going to like have like some like boisterous response for every single one. You should now. bring confetti sometime Jeremy, and just yeah. throw it at that. We need a laugh it's track. That's a good idea. <laughs> Jeremy, I'm gonna, I'll smash up my saltines and start throwing them. I will say, the boys from Levitard and Show did appreciate some of my puns. It made me feel rejuvenated and alive. It was okay. Um, but anyway, back to what we're saying is that Marty... Uh, In the process before the vote was confirmed, um, there actually started to be questions because he has, and Sarah, you can maybe help us out here too, has some stronger connections to the Boston Bruins organization, one that has been presumed to really have a firm grip on NHL decision making. And so maybe this isn't as much of an isolated for the player's decision as people originally thought. Sarah, can you bring us up to speed on this fine individual and his ties, the pros and cons of him taking on this leadership role and what you think is going to come out of this? Yeah, he was the former mayor of Boston. And I believe Jeremy Jacobs added to his campaign. And I like, yeah, that obviously raises questions on and he's the Jeremy Jacobs is arguably I go maybe I'm not going to say Tom Dundon has more clout in hockey, maybe in like the real, I don't know, maybe it's just because I know him. I don't know. I don't actually know. Jeremy Jacobs probably has the most clout of any owner in the league. So there are ties, but that makes, so people are saying now that, oh, he's going to side with the owners because, the, okay, let's talk about Marty Walsh's role. He is going to be the executive of the Players Association. And we, the problem with the Players Association to me has been maybe just not a great understanding of labor for the player players but they did have somebody who was a former player so it's like they probably felt more comfortable coming to him they're comfortable coming to him with their concerns and now it's this guy who is politically affiliated which he's a democrat might not be up everybody in the players association's alley so maybe they're raising concerns about that um it just stinks because this guy is actually a labor genius and he can help them. There might be, I don't know, that might mean more of a lockout situation because he's actually fighting for their rights. But I think it was a bad move of players to come question this in the media instead of talk to him first. Like, like maybe he just got on too fast and people didn't weren't aware and didn't have time to vote. I don't know the specifics of how unhappy they are about it. But they do have concerns that they should probably raise to him. I don't know. I, I get wanting to have one of your own who has played stand up for you. But, like, honestly, guys, how has that been working out for the past five years? I like bringing in somebody else. But at the same time, there are very real questions about is he going to, like, side with the owners? I don't think he will. If you look at his history and things he's done 
in regards to labor over the past decades. Like he's had decades of knowledge and expertise in this field. So I think in the long term, it's going to be a good move for these guys, even if it is kind of not one of their own. And it's a little sketchy with Jeremy Jacobs. Shana, we see this with leadership, even outside of sport. We see this all over the place is that organizations or groups of people go from one extreme and then they swing to the other and then they swing back. And the NHLPA, as Sarah mentioned, has been through lockouts. They've been with hardball tacticians. They've then gone to player-friendly, then owner-friendly, this and that and the other thing. What do you think about this move? I feel like whatever they've had in recent years hasn't been working. I think after every CBA, we walk away from it going like, look how much the owners have won and how the players haven't. And it does feel like the players need more support. So if they're going in a different direction for that, I do think it makes sense. I do think this could be the right pick. The That connection obviously is sketchy and the board of governors, you know, is like the enemy of the players and rightfully so. So as long as that's not gonna cause any interruption, it should have been raised sooner, that concern. My bigger issue honestly is like the selection committee does feel like it's mainly like veteran players. It'd be nice like, Yes, a 30, you know, 30 year old could still have six to nine more years in this league. Absolutely. But, you know, maybe not the 18. Maybe it's maybe you can't join it on your entry level contract, let's say. But like the 21 year olds, 22 year olds should be a little bit, you know, their voices should be heard a little bit more in the process. So I would be curious, like where the divide is in this, like which players are taking issue with it. I would be curious and I would be curious if you know, the young players' voices are being heard enough because they're the ones that are going to have to deal with this for, say, the next 20 years. You know, like, they're the ones whose earnings have been capped. Why should the young players deal with the shit that the older players have had to deal with? You want it that is, like, a better environment for them moving forward. So that's, like, my one concern is, like, you know, can those voices be included a little bit more? But I just think in general, like, the NHLPA has not been effective enough, so a change is good. Hopefully this is the right change for them because if any organization, like, I feel like surrounding the NHL, we should be rooting for it. It's it's that one to have a bigger voice, at least so there's a better split when things change and the next CBA rolls around. Well, and I feel like these are conversations we've heard before in other realms, but, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I've covered teams, like, sometimes the person who's the player rep to the PA is, like, super invested and really, like, involved and wants to do it. And a lot of times I'll be like, who's the player rep this year? And you hear, well, so-and-so because no one else wanted to do it, right? So, like, I'm all for the younger voices being heard. I just hope they want to, like, that they can get it sooner, right? Like, and I don't know where that comes from. I mean, it comes from within rooms for sure, but like, is like agents maybe educate? I mean, cause this helps agents too. Eventually if the players make more money, the agents make more money. So it's just, it's an interesting conundrum. I'm with you. I think younger voices should be at the table, but do they even know that they should be, or do they want to be right now? Right? Like, I, I don't know. know. There's so many schools of thought going around right now too, in philosophies of, Oh, do we want to get a walkout over with? Do we want to completely avoid it by playing softball and not getting what we want? So I'm really interested to see how a new voice comes in and shapes that discussion, I guess. But I I don't understand how, like, did they vote on it? Did the players vote to make? Yeah, they must have. They must have been the selection committee was the one I I, I assume leading the process and the players vote. Yes. So yeah, I can understand. Okay, they were educated and then some still disagree with it. That's that's how it should be. Obviously, it's not right. going to be 100% unanimous, but hopefully as the decisions keep rolling on, there's going to be some clarity and more sticking up for the players. 
100%. So we will keep our eye on both Maddie and Marty to see what ends up happening. <laughs> too funny. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate the effort there. That was good. Thank you. It nice. <laughs> <That> was good. <laughs> All right. Uh, unfortunately, we are back. We have a couple things to talk about on the shit list. And as reported on February 8th, as we record this uh, earlier today, Ethan Sears of the New York Post is reporting that the New York Islanders Pride Night will not feature rainbow jerseys or tape. And to be clear, the Islanders have never had a night in which players have worn Pride jerseys. They have only worn jerseys. Now, this list is a doozy because I'm like, sure. Um, the Islanders have never worn, I'm, I'm citing Ethan here, the Islanders have never worn rainbow jerseys due to an organizational policy against wearing specialized warmups. The only ones they wear are mandated by the league. And this is a list, people. Hockey fights cancer, military, and what could be the only other logical choice for what is mandated by the league? St. Patrick's Day, which but they don't know his jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God. Um, so the Islanders are not doing this. Um, they will also not be using rainbow tape in warmups. This is obviously, again, as we said, the Islanders have never done this, but this is now coming more to the forefront after the actions of Ivan Provorov on the Flyers and then the New York Rangers organization. Uh, Sarah, we had seen some of the blowback of this already start when we were in Florida for the All-Star game. So I'll let you walk us through that too, and then give us your thoughts on the Islander situation. Well, I'm just sick of these woke fucking leprechauns infiltrating their way into my hockey. Whatever happened to just enjoying the game, now everywhere they're indoctrinating my children. Sorry. I had to. That's all these people sound. But I, I think, okay, First of all, what the fuck? Like, like literally St. Patrick's Day. And I'm just getting so, it just, the league looks worse and worse as they have their stances. It, it seems clear that there was some sort of internal memo sent out that they're going to say the exact same thing that Gary Bettman said at the All-Star Game, which is basically... Uh, they have to respect everybody. They were not saying that before. And then when the Provorov thing happened, this certain exact language came about where it's they're respecting individual beliefs of everybody. And they're trying to very much both sides this and they're missing the point every single time. And Gary, with shout out to Mark Lazarus and um, I'm sorry, I forget who else was grilling. Uh, oh, Kevin McGran, maybe. Um, they were grilling Gary Bettman at this press conference at the All-Star Game. And he was just doing the same corporate answer, which makes me think this is how they all decided to go about it as a unified front. And it is so disappointing because it's a lot, like I know the Islanders have never done the Pride jerseys before, but you're seeing a pattern where more and more people are opting out because it's not league mandated and they're, they're allowed to throw the league under the bus. And I'm sure the owners are happy about that and everyone is relieved which is just a goddamn shame and a slap in the face the way i see it don't have a pride night if you're gonna have all these wishy-washy statements if you're not gonna have pride tape if you're not gonna do it the same way you do it for every other event that's a slap in the goddamn face i mean have some of these teams looked at the retro reverse jerseys they're wearing those things are god-awful like put on a pride jersey for five seconds if you wear some of these reverse retro jerseys you have no self-respect already and so let's just 
wear this for forever. Uh, to, quick, to quickly bolster uh, Sarah's point, here was the exact quote from Gary Bettman um, at the All-Star Game. Quote, you know what our goals and our values and our intentions are across the league, whether it's at the league level or the club level. But we also have to respect some individual choice. And some people are more comfortable embracing themselves and causes than others. And part of being diverse and welcoming is understanding those differences. Now, I'm going to say again, unfortunately, and I'm not defending Gary Bettman here, but unfortunately, I do think that what's at the root of this is some sort of labor law. That if someone's going to cite religion, their boss can't penalize them for that. And the NHL is actually doing what they legally have to do based on what they think they might get as blowback. That doesn't change the impact of these circumstances and the significance, in my opinion, of a player or a team or whomever thinking it is, in fact, a big enough deal to say, "Uh uh-uh, X, no, we're not going to wear these jerseys for 10 minutes on the ice. Shayna, what do you make of this? Yeah, it's the whole thing's really disappointing. Like, first of all, I think that there's if you really can't wear jerseys and we'll get there for like, say that's true. There's a million other things you could do. Have the pride tape, have a giveaway on everybody's seats. Here's an Islander shirt or towel with a pride logo on it. Sell merch in the store. Even if you sell jerseys, do something to emphasize it and amplify it. Yes, they're making a donation still. So that's great and wonderful. But it, it, but. Honestly, put on the fucking jersey for 10 minutes. Like, you, don't get to act, you don't get to act like you're being diverse and doing good things for the community if you actually aren't. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't get to say, oh, we did such a wonderful Pride Night if that's it's being tainted now by the other people's beliefs. This isn't something that all of a sudden this year it's a big deal. I think it always has been a big deal, but it's just like it's obviously more magnified right now. But like if you only did Hockey Fights Cancer... And that was the only one you did, I'd back off a little bit. You do military appreciation night. Not everybody agrees with the military. Not everyone's even from the US and they're wearing fucking military appreciation <laughs> most night. Most aren't. Like, so, mo- like, what is. Auntie Ranta served in the Finland military. How does he feel about this? Carrying yeah, on. it's like this fake <laughs> nationalism. St. Patrick's Day. What are we? What I mean, honestly. what are we doing? First of all, those <laughs> never are even nice. They're not nice. The pride oh jerseys God, are so at least bad. cool and nice. I do own one. I'm not gonna lie. I have one. <laughs> really? Do you like yeah. them? I did. We'll see because back in the day, the Blue Jackets used to do. O, like they would do O oh, that's cute. apostrophe that's cute in the last name. Yeah. And, they, and I did like the shamrocks. Now they're ridiculous with like the, the plaid and the, the raglan. Oh, stuff. Yeah. I can't. You I know, can't. And the I'm, gold, I'm, no. I'm going to get on my fucking soapbox. Soapbox. I'm getting on my soapbox. Sorry. Couldn't. <laughs> brain stopped working. And well, I'm not Irish. Do you, do you hate? Why, why don't we have Hungarian Pride Night? It's I'm the leprechaun agenda, Shayna. They're coming like, for us all. What, what what are we doing? We're we're only celebrating St. Patrick's Day, a day where everyone just gets shit hammered in this country? Yeah, yeah. We're promoting literally getting shit faced. Like uh, just some that's fucking green beers value. around like, it. It's amazing. It really have is green amazing. beers. You don't need a fucking <laughs> ugly warm up jersey. Or just do you, I I just that that's the one that you're okay? It's, it's lazy. This is lazy. The organizational policy is lazy. Exactly. And it just comes down to the lack of explanation from the league. Like, I just responded to somebody else. They're like, oh, it makes sense because the, the league 
you'd think since the league mandated hockey is for everyone that that would be one of the mandated nights. And I responded, actually, they told me hockey is for everyone is no longer mandated, but then they refused to follow up. I've asked for three follow-ups at this point, and I've waited. It's been almost a year where I'm like trying to ask these questions and they have not responded to me and they give everybody the same unclear and they get I hate the gaslighting from Gary when he says you know our values no I don't tell me your values like I would think your values are asses in the seat and money in your pocket and now you're excluding asses you want in the seat because they have no reason to do anything to support you because you can't put in an ounce of effort to support them and you're also shortchanging your revenue which you should want from I don't know every team especially your smaller fucking market teams if they sell the pride merch that's a little more that they can bring to the table and if you bring in more revenue it'll help you actually hit your you know hockey revenue uh hockey related revenue goals which you don't Ever. So why don't you think of ways to make more money? I don't know. Pump out a million fucking jerseys. Pump out a million warm-up jerseys. Let's do one. Let's do one every other week. Like, if, if you want to make money, that is what you're going to do. You're going to think of the reverse retros, that's cash grab. The uh, To have alternates at the same time, cash grab. Military ones, hockey fights, cancer, it is all a fucking cash grab. So just lean into it then. If you really want to say where your values are, it's to make more money. Unless you want to be the bottom fucking feeder of the professional sports leagues, which you seem content to be. Well, Islanders, welcome to the shit list. You may have Bo Horvat, but you don't have good taste. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. This episode is brought to you by Chevrolet. Now's your chance to support a team with real grit. The Chevy ZR2 family of off-road trucks. The first ever Silverado HD ZR2 joins the all-new Colorado ZR2 and the Silverado ZR2 for a commanding lineup of off-road ready trucks. Equipped to take on anything this season throws their way. Visit Chevy.com to learn more. Jewelry can say many things on your wedding day. As a wedding band, it can say, this is a forever symbol of our forever love. As a gift to your wedding party, it can say, thanks for standing up there with us. Blue Nile can help you find the piece that says it all and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. For our hockey talk, because again, this is going to be a weird couple weeks because half the league is on a bye week last week, half the league is on a bye week this week. So um, we'll catch up with the hockey that's significant as it happens. But we did want to bring all of us back together to talk about the All-Star Game. Before we break down the actual events themselves, I just want to ask, uh, Sarah, what was your favorite part of the whole weekend? Oh, just becoming good friends, literally the friends we made along the way. It's always just fantastic. I mean, as much as we shit on hockey for rightful reasons, you get so jaded and it's like, oh my God, like sometimes why am I doing this? And then you meet back up with certain people and you're like, oh yeah, there are amazing people who are working behind the scenes and sometimes in front of the scenes to make things just a little bit better. So that warms my heart again. And of course, 
Fort Lauderdale and Miami, baby. There was some, we were partying with Pitbull. You heard that one in um, the big Levitard show. And it was so great to meet everybody at Levitard. I mean, even walking into the studio was just like the most, the coolest thing I've ever seen. I just love it there. So shout out to them. Awesome. Shayna, you watched from afar while you rightfully recharged your batteries. What was your favorite part of the Too Many Men coverage? The Too Many Men coverage was the best part of it. It was my favorite part of the whole weekend. I just like that, you know, I don't like hearing the questions like, tell us about your teammate and whatever. And I feel like it just gets, there's so much stress and pressure on players, I'm sure, all the time. Let's talk about your trade status, your contract, your this, your underperforming, your overperforming. You have some of the best players in the league gathered at once. I think it's all about having a good time, especially when you look at the environment. So the cliches, what does it mean to get pucks deep? Like, I was cracking up listening to it. The Taylor Swift ones, I mean, I love that people were responding on Twitter to that and knowing it was you two, even if it was in like, here's a video the Leafs posted, because it's always about the Leafs. Like, there's questions to Mitch Marner. And I liked how some of the players, I'm sure they turned to it like, this is a different question. Just like with Levitard, they were being asked the questions like, if you had to give up which pad, which are you choosing? Like, have fucking fun question. with it for once. And That's I feel a great like question. you all were bringing that energy. All Meadowlark was bringing the fun energy. And I think that is just fantastic. So I loved it. I was I was so here for it. I'm like going through Twitter, going through my text with you two. And you know what, though? My absolute favorite was the text confirming how our best friend Connor McDavid is fucking bland. I <laughs> loved it. I saw that and I was like, oh, my God. Love well, it. Here for it. I said that to somebody else who like is close to him because I'm just like, what is the deal? And they were like, actually he has a pretty good personality, but he has been so media conditioned. I'm like, I get it. Like, I, I don't, I hate that he's been thing. media conditioned to this way. And here's the thing. He said this on the record, so I'm going to call it out. Right. So like to Shane's point, we were just there to have fun. And I actually really love that too, because for some strange reason, there seems to be like, people seem to think I'm only no data. And if you think that's a subtweet, it is. So there you go. Um, but I can actually do more than that. So it was fun to just like branch out. It was fun to have such awesome support from Meadowlark. Like Jeremy totally like coach Sarah and I, as we were finding things that were working and weren't working throughout media day, so much support from the awesome team. But okay, here's the thing. So we go to Connor McDavid, like players are having fun with it. We love Mitch Marner. We love Jack Hughes. We love Connor Hellebuck. And we go up to Connor McDavid and he goes, well, you're like the third people to ask this question, which we philosophically believe is not true. Yeah. Because yeah, we I have not heard else. it anywhere ask else. It. So like, who else there is going to ask I don't think, well, and even if they were, like maybe if they were, because like then we both were like, oh shit, who else is doing this? We've failed. And we, ha no one else is doing it. And I feel like too, like with how cool it was that everyone picked up on the fact that we did it, even the people who didn't cite us as the source for the coverage still <laughs> talked about how cool it was. I think that um, if no other links? people were, what's that? I just <laughs> not say. one link, not a single link was dropped. Okay. <laughs> but like, if someone else had been doing it, just like we would have done, if someone would have tried to take credit for our stuff, like we, it would have come up, right? That other people were doing it. Yeah. No one else was doing it. So being bland is one thing, but like, it feels like that I'll was just kind of shitty. I'll say, I'll say, fuck off, Connor. Fuck off, Connor. It was just kind of shitty. Fuck off with your horrible attitude, Connor. I'll say the unprofessional thing. Sorry, Connor. So anyway, but I, again, I would like to say too, like Mitch Marner, Jack Hughes, and Connor Hellebuck, like who were willing to be genuine and just be open to who they were and like be and in the moment. Nate. 
course, Bestie. Oh, we Can't do forget love Bestie, Bestie Nate. Nate. Yes, Bestie Nate. And shout out to Shayna, too, who helped spearhead the idea to have us, after we identified our, our three Bestie Besties, Connor Hellebuck, Nathan McKinnon, and Mitch Marner, that oh. we turned that into a donation to the Trevor Project. So that was I got very, very So cool. when you said I did something, I'm like, what the fuck did I do? I like, <laughs> you contributed. Even on your off days. That's right. That's right. Okay, so let's actually talk about the All-Star Game. As we know, there was the formal two events that most of the public saw if you weren't down there, and that was the skills competition on Friday, the game on Saturday. Folks, there was a lot of good. There was a lot of bad. There was a lot of ugly. And Sarah, I know you've talked about this already on the Levitard show, but... um, your assessment of, let's just do the skills comp first. Your assessment of the skills competition. Good. Give me something good and give me something bad. Racking my brain for something good. Exactly. Uh, it was good that I liked David Posternock's little um, Happy Gilmore thing. Yeah. And that was pretty fun. And the breakaway challenge was pretty good, I think. But the bad is just the lack of continuation. I didn't know when things were starting, when things were ending. I barely knew who won them because it was just like a little less, like you couldn't distinguish the difference between when someone was like announcing a name and then it took five minutes. So I'm like, okay, who won what and who is going where? And it was all out of order. So it was just like really hard to follow. Yeah. Shayna, how about you? Something good, something bad? Um. I, I guess, like, the something good is, like, we did get to see some skill on display, right? Like, we can see the fastest skaters. We can see the accuracy. Um, the bad... So, I'm sure... Like, I'm trying to think about it, like, was this a good presentation for, like, TV? Because that's how I watched it. I watched the game... I watched the the, the skills with a bunch of people, and everybody was complaining about different things. No one knew what was going on. Like you said, the, the lack of continuation. I wouldn't even mind if they did the events and then they wanted to make the finals of the events one whole big thing. I have no issue with that. I actually was like, that could be good. But the way it was so disjoint, it was just the disjointedness of everything. That's the bad. Because it was like, here's a breakaway challenge and now we're going back to it. And there was no, even on TV, you would hope there are better segues to it. We didn't understand, like the goalie event, we sat there trying yeah. to figure it out, and then I went through my email and was like, let me just get the guide and fucking explain it to you Which guys. Still I... didn't, it still didn't make sense. Like, we were talking about this when we were down there. Like, every communication was like 8,000 words. Like, it was yeah. imparsable. Yeah, you need it. Like, I think one year they did it. They did, like, the graphics, and yes. they quickly explained it. The other thing was, like, the stuff that the dunk tank, I think, was nice. That was right? cool. But, that was funny. But you're sitting in the arena watching stuff on a jumbotron. The golf thing was so long. Yeah. Ooh. So one of my oh friends God. even suggested it. He was he was very upset, and he was like, you know, if you're going to do something that's specialized per city, I think that's nice. And we were talking about the Vegas stuff last year, and we all like the big blackjack board. But he's like, you look at what the Blues did where they went off the different levels at the arena, and you make it more inclusive in the arena and make it more of an experience. He's like, if I went to that, I would genuinely be upset. He's like, there's so many breaks. There's so many of this. So it, it should have started at a different time, like – the fact that yeah. there were like empty seats too at first, we're like, is it like, why didn't some of like the pre-roll run then instead of like in the middle of it? Like that's because it was like in the middle, then live events, then back to that. Like that's, it's a really awkward thing. And then you still want the crowd going. It just all felt really weird. And everyone here was bitching about it. 
the entire time to the point where like they stopped watching it for chunks and i'm like that like you just lost it like there's so many people who are hanging out and every year we do this for the skills and we all watch it start to finish everyone was like completely checked out by the time the golf stuff came on because it's like it's just hard to keep up with it and you don't want to like you're not enjoying it I had to like the golf thing really was sending me because I was watching with two people who um, lo- who one still plays golf, the other played golf and they both love golf and know the sport. And I was like, do you understand? Like, I get that they were trying to make it like golf. But to your point, Shana, like I don't watch golf. I have never played golf. And like the whole commentary and everything, like I didn't know what was going on. And they were like they went so into a niche. I was like, like, I like I'm, I literally want to walk away because there's nothing in this that interests me because tell me why it's harder to shoot a puck with a stick on grass. Tell me what a slice is. Tell me what this kind of thing is. Tell me why it's challenging to make that shot. Like I just found that infuriating, but lest you think I'm done being infuriated. I was even more I know what infuriated. You're going with, so I didn't, I didn't go here because I know you're I, going I to. You had some of the most elite athletes available to you from national women's teams you spoke over their introductions on the broadcast and in no way featured them. I like was like, where'd they go? What happened? And like, I do think it's cool that they got to like be on the sidelines and interface with players too and be considered one of the gang, which is cool. But like, that was embarrassing to me, at least before they have featured these women and they have shown what they can do and made a point to say, we're starting, just like we were talking about before, we're starting to say, this is a group of people that belong to be here too. Like, I was inside. You two poor people had to lock, listen to me go off in no, our chat. No, I was. I was. Everyone furious. here had to deal with me. I was and furious. I started yelling when the men. So I we knew the women were going to be a part of this event, and I think the first shooter was a man. And I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding?" I just started yelling, and everyone's like, "I took out my phone." And everyone's like, "She's going to start tweeting about it to complain." I'm like, "No, I'm fucking looking up what the hell is going on and why they're not being included." I'm like, "This is so dumb." And then I see that they're like competing alongside the men. And I'm like, this is even better. Cool. Do that. But guess what? Don't do it for the one event then. Don't pick and choose the events. If the women that you use as pawns and as like, hey, look, we know a woman, if you're going to use them and use them alongside the men for this event, instead of just showcasing them like you easily could have done, could have done that through the whole fucking contest and it would have been so much better. If I saw Sarah Nurse out there doing accuracy alongside Connor McBoring, I think that would have been fucking fantastic. Well, and I have to say, so first of all, thank you to all you white men in sunglasses in your cars and your avatar (laughs) for reinforcing a stereotype because you all started replying to my tweets about being frustrated not only with the response to saying that the women deserve more, but also whoever the poor chap was who thought he was trying to educate Sarah Nurse that like she should be impressed that she was going up against a top three goaltender in the NHL. Um, there's this wonderful feature on Twitter. It's called mute. And so while you're getting all enraged in your like tidy whities you're yelling into a void. I don't know what you're saying. I haven't seen it. God bless peace. So that's what I have <laughs> to say to you people. But yes, that really, really, really made me mad. And the only other thing that I was, and I want to be careful here because I've already shared on this podcast, my concerns about centering Alex Ovechkin in terms of world events versus with the incredible talented things he's doing on the ice but I was kind of uncomfortable with all the OV Junior centric stuff when there were other kids there with some really important stories too. And maybe they elected not to be in, but I almost, I don't know, it felt a little too lopsided towards 
one when there was some other compelling stories. I just I just wasn't really comfortable with that. That was something that and, and now I'm, I know people are going to not like that because everyone thought it was a highlight. And I totally understand why I just, you know, when the haze, the haze story is amazing. And I think that that would have been a really valuable story to tell, even if you didn't talk to them at all. Um, but that was my that yeah. was my two cents. And if, even if you don't, I'm not even saying don't let Obi Jr. be involved. 100%. Sure, right? Totally agree. Just totally. like Brent Burns had his kids. Joe Pavelski totally. had his kids. Johnny Gaudreau was like Jake Voracek's kid one year. Like all of that stuff is great and wonderful. Unless they, no other kids wanted to be on camera or parents were uncomfortable with it. It would have been nice to see them get highlighted a little bit more too. Like I I saw the story that was talking about Matthew Chuck's efforts like during the All-Star game and how he was really trying to like tell the kids to go get the autographs from the players and do things like that. Like, it would have been nice if, you know, because he was that little kid. Like, I just would have liked to see the kids featured a little bit more because it does sound like a lot of players brought kids. Like, it's not like there wasn't a lack of children there. So, you know, you can definitely do something a little bit more to, even if you're just showing them sitting on, like, there were kids sitting, you know, off to the sides, like, just put a fucking camera on them for 30 seconds and be like, oh, look how cute. Like, right. I don't know, probably would have made me less angry as I'm watching the broadcast. At the end of the day, it just feels like, and I'm not shitting on ESPN, but it does feel like it. everything can be so competitive, especially when there's like multiple rights holders in their first year. And it, it feels like they were trying to do the most. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because obviously it's their first year holding it. And then in return... Like, maybe they should have gone into more specifics about certain events and not just tried to, like, run around to the golf course. And I thought there was going to be more to the dunk tank. And it was, like, 700 things to do at once. And I'm like, wait, what should I be covering right now? You kind of have to pick and choose, like, which events to cover. So, and I'm not saying that's all on ESPN. I think, like, I'd be really interested to see if, like, what the process of planning this was like with ESPN and the league. Because... It had to have been kind of split, so I don't know. I just think it's going to be, like, really interesting to see how this All-Star game is going to compare to the next All-Star game because, one, it's part of hockey's universe, Toronto, the most elite city in the world. Two, I want to know, you know, other networks, I'm sure, are taking notes, and I'm sure Sportsnet will kind of, like, spearhead a lot of that. So I'm curious with it. But, like, it feels like... (laughs) the all-star game kind of peaked with the player drafts and then you know i was reading today i think it was said in 32 thoughts they it was written like uh they stopped doing it because the nhlpa was like upset with players being picked last when like for fuck's sake you got elected to the all-star game you don't need to complain about being picked last in a draft when they were upset that they were so obviously publicly drunk yeah like like columbus was a shit show but it was wonderful it was was great we were that we all were talking about that like that was the best year it was fun and even if if they're drunk on tv we're celebrating every stanley cup win in recent years we're measuring by their their celebrations ovechkin in the fountain and nathan mckinnon partying with Sidney crosby and eric johnson with the stanley cup this is the way if the league wants to stay modern and you need different voices more innovative minds more creativity you need to look at what the fans are enjoying and running with the most in the last few years it's Nikita Kucherov being absolutely fucking shit hammered. That's what we're all enjoying. So if you're so upset, like that's that I'm maybe it's a sponsor thing and a network thing, but like 
the other option is, and I know they don't want to compete with the Pro Bowl, but maybe this shouldn't be a Friday night thing. Maybe it should be let the players enjoy Friday night, do the skills Saturday afternoon, and do the games Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. And then you don't have to worry as much about the Thursday being off in the league, which should be, which is a big day for the NHL, and just have the Monday off. Like maybe that's another option, but like they need to figure out something for next year that's going to take this up a notch. And yes, it'll be a better crowd and all that stuff because it's in Toronto and yada, yada, yada. But like, you need more. You got to keep the crowd. You got to entertain the crowd and the viewers at home. Well, let's wrap up with this because I I have my idea, which bounces off what Sarah was saying, is what would you change for next year? And I think, and listen, I'm, I'm not, this is not a criticism on the market of Florida, the organization in Florida or the city of Fort Lauderdale slash Miami, but that's part of the point is I mentioned like the emails were so long and like Sarah, you guys saw, like I kept texting, like, where are we supposed to be and when? There was like, Fit, like there were too many things with too much explanation. And, you know, when I was in corporate America, that was the thing. If you if if it's starting to take too much to explain it, you're doing it wrong. It's too complicated. And I feel like stuff was so spread out. You couldn't in other all star all star experiences I've been part of. I feel like things have been closer and easier to maneuver around and not as like literally an hour away, like every single day in different directions. Yeah. And when I was getting my Uber from the all-star game, I was with like these drunk people who were also getting their Uber. And it was just like us. And it was so quiet. And they were like last year in Vegas, because I had gone to the one in Vegas. It was like such a party after, because it's all when you go to that arena, you like walk out and there's immediately like Ryan Reeves beer or whatever. So it what everything is like 30 minutes away from each other and it was just kind of a hassle not that i'm complaining but it definitely made it me do less things yeah. than i right. had intended to do and i think so my recommendation is to have a have a location i get that the players want to be in the sun i totally respect it but if we're going to talk about narrowing down that list anyway take florida out of it for right now with all due respect and have a location where things can all happen close to each other. And honestly, if you have cool ideas like the dunk tank or if the golf thing is remains a cool idea, I don't know. But like make those events that people can go to and let people go and take in one concentrated series of things. And maybe it's like, hey, we're all going to start on the beach and watch these play. The players seem to have fun with the dunk tank thing. I don't know. But because I didn't know when to be there I, and all that kind I, of shit. Yeah, I hated that I missed that. I was looking forward right. to that. But like have have concentrated events and maybe it's not a three-hour skills competition and maybe that's part of the incentive to have fans go versus broadcast maybe the broadcast is everything smushed together whereas if you're there at four o'clock you were at the dunk tank at five o'clock you were at the golf court golf putting green that they installed and at 6 30 you went into the arena for fastest skater accuracy shooting and then maybe there was a big autograph session afterwards and that's your day like that's my recommendation is to consolidate uh, geographically and have one thing happening in one centralized space at a time. Because you got to understand, yeah, no, exactly same thing because there was so much traffic on top of everything that it was like getting to everywhere was just like one big blurb of traffic. And I know it's not the league's fault that that is happening. I don't know. We'll see what it's like in Toronto because there's not going to be, it's going to be so cold that nobody's going to jump around from place to place like that. Shana, what would you change? Yeah, I mean, I would like to see the players a little more enthused about it, too. Like, that is a thing. But I think if the league handles it right, they will be. I think, one, stop, like, don't cut off the voting for, like, 
third line players per se too like I think that would make it a little more exciting if players who truly want to be there get to go you know like when it's the fan vote I would like it that the person that gets voted in is actually someone that wants to go and doesn't feel like they're dragged there um the organizing is big. Uh, I Again, I have no problem if they do the finals for every event at the end and make it an event, yep. but condense it, organize it. And the other thing I'd like to do, and I got a whole speech from my friend Chris about this when he walked in the door and I'm like, other people have had this idea, but I'm taking his and uh, I'm going to amplify it. I do like the idea of having more skills specialists in there 100%. that we're watching the hardest shot. I don't know how many players actually want to compete in that, honestly, and go, I only can hit 98 miles per hour. Guys, I Morgan Geeky, Morgan Geeky, we had a skills competition in Seattle before, like two weeks prior. Morgan Geeky hit two shots above 100 miles an hour, and his fastest was 105. Yeah, like, and not every person's going to know that unless the skill, the team has that individual skills competition. But if they do, use it to your advantage. Right. Use past right. years to your See if Shea Weber will get out on the ice to take a shot too. And right. Zdeno Chara. And you can even see if McKinnis or someone like would want to join in. But just have it with guys around the league. If Tage Thompson, for whatever chance, didn't make the skills competition, call him up and be like, would you be willing to come for one day? You know, we'll bring you to Florida for literally one day. You don't have to do media day. You don't have to do the all-star game. Just to take a slap shot to see what you can do for the breakaway challenge. You know, make it more inclusive. Pull the women into it a little bit more. Like, I think they can really make it fun. I think the players would get up if they see, hey, we're going up against Hillary Knight now in the breakaway challenge. Who's going to do it better? And see what she can bring to the table. And then the same, in the same, you know, thing, it's like the accuracy shooting every day of the week, you're going to want to see someone like Austin Matthews in it. You know, like if he didn't make the all-star game, make sure he's a part of it for that. Like, I just think that there's a way to pump it up in excitement by we're watching that and we're going, well, who's going to win? Like, who's going to win the hardest shot? Like, I feel bad. Maybe someone will break 100. But, like, there, it doesn't it doesn't have that same enthusiasm. So if players want to do these events, if you're an all-star, your job is to participate, obviously, in the all-star game. But maybe you're not as roped into the skills and the skills is legitimately about who's the best that year in that specific event. And maybe that's a little more complicated. But I think that could make it more exciting and make us all go, let's legitimately see the best of the best in every category each year. At the end of the day, we are certainly all going to die, and I'm happy we don't have to discuss this until next year again. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time. I got drunk. I reported drunk and I asked the hard-hitting questions, and it was all about me, and I had a 15 out of 10 experience, <laughs> and I don't know what happened on the ice, so that's a problem, but for somebody else, not me. <laughs> well, Sarah, you certainly crushed it. I see I might be like out of a job soon with how well Jeremy did uh, producing and introing our segments uh as as new host of tmm in my in my absence which was awesome and shane had crushed it the episode before that too which is awesome um all right I'm never ever doing it again i you hate did great. it I hate yeah we gain every time we do have to do that we respect you even more yeah it's not <laughs> it's easy hard folks. it's first of all it's awkward second of all like i'm sitting there like i don't I critique myself like after any podcast I do like oh shit I shouldn't have said that or I sound like an idiot or whatever it is but after like every single thing I said I'm like oh my god I, I am a fucking moron and I was like I hate this I just gotta get through the episode. You did. I literally said the wrong name for the new head of the NHLPA so here we well, are. Well that was my fault and that was funny <laughs> because I was doing my Boston accent. Which is So amazing. it's not like. <laughs> All right I think that that a uh, bit of all-star critique um fills in for our fuck Mary kill since we're at a long ab amount of time here but uh 
If you we're miss, killing the all star, the skills competition. There friends. you go. We're exactly. killing it. No, we're fucking it. We see the potential, but we're not committing yeah. to it because right now it's bad. Fair enough. It. And if you, again, if you missed our highlight episode that our wonderful producer Jeremy put together, please go listen to that because we have two fuck Mary kills in there. One from JSB and an elite. You know what? We love Kale McCarr too. I mean, we already loved mm-hmm. Kale McCarr, but yeah. Kale McCarr engaging with us and like literally we walked up and led with Fuck, Mary Kill, which was amazing. And he was such game and he was really awesome about it. So if you are missing your FMK content this week, go back and listen to our episode that came out earlier. There were three. Who's the third? There were three FMKs. Oh, you guys did one at the end. That's right, that's right, that's right. Excuse me. There were three. See, you've got three. Bonus. We're gonna take one off this episode, but we'll be back with you next week as the hockey talk continues to pick up. So will it here, as long as all of you hockey men don't make us put more people on the shit list. Um, Until we talk again, if you aren't already friends, please follow us on social media. We are on two places now, both Instagram and Twitter, both at two underscore much underscore man. Please follow us, interact with us. Let us know what you want to talk about. Submit your FMK nominations. Do check out our links on both social media platforms where we have a link tree that includes a link to our merch. Rumor has it we may or may not be having some new merch coming out soon. So we'll see about that. And until we talk again, please do at least something, even if it's small, to help make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We'll talk to you guys soon. Love you. Bye.